Hey, Never Sleepers. It's your host, Alex Ross. A lot has been happening here lately at NSN. We're excited about our new website, our new sketch comedy podcast, Every Tuesday with Festa Friends. And this Tuesday's episode features Hunter Collins. This will be Hunter's fourth series he's generously given his time to here at Never Sleeps Network. We also have great news. We just signed a brand new comedy and wrestling podcast with comedians Jeff McHenry and Casey Corbin. Talkin' Wrestling airs every Thursday starting July 6th. But back to this episode of Ross Never Sleeps, featuring two pillars of the Toronto comedy scene. Comedy club owners Joey Puff Mama Baker of the Underground Cafe at 670 Queen Street East and Joe Tuchito from the Corner Comedy Club 163 John Street. Joey and Joe are direct reasons why the Toronto comedy boom exists. The tiring efforts of these two owners helps grow Toronto's comedic talent by creating comedy hubs together. Joey and Joe are a great example that Toronto businesses are capable of sticking together to create something bigger than any one entrepreneur. Here's my chat with Puff Mama Joey Baker and Joe Tichito on this episode of Ross Never Sleeps. I'm with Joe Tachito and Joey Baker, two of the leading, the leaders, the 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 patriarch, the matriarch of Canadian comedy clubs, especially here in Toronto. You've put Toronto on the map, and I'm here to thank you personally and interview you two together, which is such a treat. So I want to thank and welcome Joey and Joe. Easy names to remember. <laughs> Both their comedy clubs are off Queen Street. One's in the West, one's in the East. We have the Corner Comedy Club with Joe Tuchito at 163 John Street. And in the East End at Queen and Broadview, Joey Baker's The Underground, 670 Queen Street East. Welcome, Joey and Joe. Welcome. Thank Thanks you. for having us. This show's called Ross never sleeps. Uh, comedians, comedy club owners, what's your relationships with sleep? What's that? What What is that? Is that a non-existent is that, is thing? Is that a thing? I know Joey loves to read. Do you just find yourself like flat on a with a book on your face, kind of waking up often? And, often. Are you a good sleeper, Joe? I'm a good <clears throat> I'm a good sleeper, but for me, it's just like up, 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 and then when it's time to shut down, my body just says, "You've had enough." Well, what's it like running a comedy club that essentially is only open for four to six hours a night, tops sometimes, and <laughs> maybe five to seven days a week? Basically, your work day is not the average work day. You're doing so much stuff during the day to open a club that's only open for a few hours. Yeah. Well, how does that take a toll on your body, on, on your sleep patterns? It does. <laughs> yeah, it's more like a nonstop job, really. You People just, know just that. see you at the club, but but I worked all day. just as much when I was waitressing. So you just take that same amount of energy and put it into something that you love. It's different. You well, put more into it then. 
you two are, we were joking before we started recording that you're kind of wearing every hat. It's not that you're wearing many hats, you're wearing almost every hat, especially Joe, your your club only sits, you know, 20, 30 people at one time. Very small room, yeah, 30 people. Very intimate show, and Joey, yours uh, may be a lot larger, but it's still a one person, it's you manning the hell, like, what? what's it like when, you know, you don't have really anybody to yell at when you're angry, because you're the one that is going to have to take some oh, of Trust me, we yell at each our own selves. <laughs> yeah. Well, talk about your relationship and your friendship and, and talk about what it's like starting a club here in Toronto. Where, where did you each individually get your start? I'll let you start. <laughs> well, it was an evolution for me. It wasn't like I sat down and got out of school and went, hmm, what business am I going to open up? This is what I'm going to do. It just evolved. Um, I used to be a waitress for years because that paid more money than my education did. Um, so I ended up with a job at a comedy club and um, that was like, I love these people. So uh, then I started putting on my own shows. One was a fundraiser, one was a Christmas show, and we rented out this hall, and um, we just smoked weed in it, and they never stopped us. Where was this? Um, it was called the Latvian Hall. It was close to here, up in college. They're tearing it down right now, so my heart's breaking a little bit. <laughs> so they're... And who were some of the first comedians that you're like, okay, this is the industry I need to continue to pursue? Um... Before I started doing shows, when I actually worked at the club, I met Joey Diaz, and he kickstarted. That was 15 years ago, and that was one of the first international people. I'm like, oh my god, this is a thing. This is a good thing. What year would you say this was? Uh, 1999. Wow. And and Joe, where where did you get your start? Um, well, it's funny. I said let's let Joey talk <laughs> first because in a lot of ways it was from. Puff Mama, Joey over here, where I got my start in Toronto comedy by throwing uh, shows at her place. So that's pretty much how it all started. I mean, how it started in my mind, it was more or less just like I was working a pretty mediocre job, construction worker, for like over 10 years of my life. But, you know, finishing high school, I was always into like uh, performance arts, like drama. I was like a drama nerd, always into laughter and jokes. But when I got out of high school, it was more or less just like think of something more practical to do. So I got a job in construction and just, just motored along for 13 years before I started asking myself, like, why am I doing this? Am I going to do this for the rest of my life? A lot of it stems from uh, the inspiration I received from podcasts, which is funny because that's what we're doing right now. Uh, <laughs> I started getting reacquainted with the comedy world by a popular podcast, different comedians in it. And uh, it just started to make me think like, hey, could this be something that I can do? And I just started to put it in my head and play with the idea that like, it would be cool to have a comedy club because the whole thing in my mind was always like, if I could run a comedy club, then I could spend the rest of my life laughing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just thought that was a cool thing to strive for. Bit by bit by bit, uh, certain things just started falling into place. And eventually I met Joey and we pretty much hit it off as friends right from the start. And I guess the rest is kind of history. I mean, there's a few more steps between that point and what opened up the corner, but um, I know for sure that it did start, you know, because of my own vision, one thing, yes, and pursuing it. And You came to an Ari Shafir show. Yeah, I came to a show. I found her place because of uh, a comedian that I was a huge fan of, Ari Shafir. And once I found that place, I was checking out all the clubs in the Toronto circuit. I would go Comedy Bar, Yuck Yucks, 
uh, independent shows. Uh, one of the big ones was uh, the Eaton House. Uh, it used to be run by Joanna Downey. I used to frequent there every week. And then once I found the underground, being the pothead that I am, I was like, okay, I don't need to go anywhere else. This is home <laughs> base now. And why do you think that marijuana plays such a role in the Toronto comedy scene? Because obviously marijuana plays a role in comedy. But Toronto specifically, considering Toronto isn't necessarily a legal marijuana-consuming country, why is it such a popular combination in Toronto? Is it because it's kind of a speakeasy mentality? Is it, you know, it's going to be legalized so we're able to kind of pursue the way we want to live here in the city? I, th- I think comedy goes well with many inebriants, except maybe meth and coke, but um, <laughs> but there, there's a long history of, of pot and comedy for as long as pot's been around, right back to the 20s. Of, yeah, Cheech and Chong being, even, right? And you go back f- real far and, and you look at like Cab Calloway from like the 20s making joke songs about the reefer man and and then it, you know, evolves and eventually you get quintessentials like Cheech and Chong who really made it huge pop culture and were, but at the same time, there's all these people that, that uh, smoke weed that aren't like that either. So um, when I started putting shows on, I didn't think about that. One thing, not that I'm trying to brag per se, but I did start the Hotbox show and I did help with starting the Vapor Central show. And after all of that, there was, I think they just, people saw the formula worked really well. And that's why there are so many of them. But I specifically, Abby Roach from Rotram asked me to start the show there and it's been going the same night ever since. And that's before so I, you I, had your own club. And I, yeah, and I, I, I don't want to say that I've influenced it that way, but that's how life is. That's how you get influenced, is that everything grows like a crystal. And also your Queen and Broadview location is technically your second location? In the same neighborhood, though. Okay. I was just on the other side of Broadview in another place. If there's something that I could add to the theory, you know, it's like, it's not my um, strongest standpoint, you know, like how... The, the whole pot thing works with the comedy. I know it just worked because when we would throw shows, it, 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 there was a magic happening. You know what I mean? If but, the comic was good. Yeah, sure. For sure. Yeah, but we, we would throw these comics. shows that had their following. So they were all there to see this one comic or another. And the fact that they can do like this at the same time, like smoke weed, it, it added to like the, the experience. It's like, I'm not just at a comedy show. I'm at this like amazing place where both of these things could happen. But I think another strong reason as to why it's such a huge influence, like pot and comedy in Toronto is because a lot of the pot rooms offered a place for comedians to develop their, their acts and grow, you know, like without all those other rooms, you just have like the mainstream clubs and, if you ask most comics on the come up, there's a way to get in. There's a system, but it's not that easy. So if I have to wait a month to get a spot at like a mainstream club, uh, I can in that one month, I can do a spot every week or even more than that because of these pot rooms. You know what I mean? So it just offered an extra place for comedians yeah. to grow. Do you think that we're kind of developing a pot culture in Toronto not necessarily prematurely, but considering the legalization that's upon Definitely. us. And you know what I think? I, I sort of, years, I, I think that that's like, especially when I worked at the comedy club long time ago, no one smoked weed there, but there was drug jokes and everyone laughed. And then everyone would go smoke weed on the street in front of the club. That's what happens when I go to comedy bar or when I go to his place. I end up like not being able to smoke inside, but I'll just stand on the other side of the door. No one's going to stop me on the street. Whereas maybe 20 years ago, they might have. They might have, oh, what are you doing there, Missy? 
they're clearly the culture doesn't care and clearly cops don't care so therefore it's culture changes that's going to happen with any change do you think bars and you think maybe your comedy club the corner joe will eventually have some sort of marijuana legalization and or like uh, the ability to kind of have smoke breaks that are designated for anything right outside the club without kind of <laughs> like we have cigarette I mean, calls right exactly <laughs> it'd be really cool to see the evolution take place you know and see what happens but like it's a real gray area with you know a bar uh and a liquor license because you know according to the ac agco they they don't want anyone being served liquor that's under the influence of any other drug and you know in the brochures and everything pot is still one of them so as as a server operating a bar if i know someone's under the influence of pot i legally technically cannot be serving them alcohol so i think the biggest thing that it's going to be a problem is like when the two things are in the same world you know what i mean that's why the lcb show should never be taking pot there's some people who shouldn't even have pot, so should they need a place to be able to go? I mean, if I was allowed to legally, I would totally love having a one night of the week where it was like, okay, tonight's a pot night. You know what I mean? I or, like that attitude. Yeah, I would love to take advantage of that. Joey, you're an advocate. You're you've been protesting for the rights and for the human rights of Canadians and marijuana for a long time. Oh, come on. You, you bat your eyes. Joey's Protesting. the most humble. Well, call it what you will. I mean, yes, maybe uh, you flash Civil disobedience is, is a better word, maybe. Civil disobedience. It's well, I mean, like, I like. You, do it, you do it with your own style. Like, I mean, I've seen you talk at big uh, parades and then moon the crowd with 420 Okay, that was on last year. Actually, it was, it, was, it was Fuck Bill 45 was written on my butt, um, which is, the, is a law that uh, covers, it's the anti-smoking bylaw in Toronto, and they added an amendment, which I didn't have enough letters to write Bill 178 underneath it as well, Amendment 178. But I just wrote Fuck Bill 45 because I just feel that they're lumping in marijuana with tobacco as a no-no. That's been quashed, actually, by the people who own shisha bars. Okay. So um, Wynn is not going to get her win. What else are you... <laughs> Come on, that was a good pun. Yeah. <laughs> what else are you uh, advocating for lately? Um, I guess in the end, I uh, mostly... I, uh, the pot is, is a, it's a conduit. I guess in the end, I, I like to see freedom of speech more than anything, pot being one of them. But there's everyone should have their say, and pot is a good conduit. Well, there's, Pot and comedy. there's so many people that have thanked your club, you as a person, just given them the ability to kind of embrace not just comedy, but marijuana and the freedoms. And, and I think that's really important. I, I always compare Toronto to Amsterdam and New York. I, I feel like it's like... Toronto's Tor- more uptight. Well, <laughs> but we're... We can loosen it up a little bit. It up and, but that's loosen what you're doing, up. right? And, and I think comedy clubs do that. But there's a lot of comedy rooms. clubs, Joe's being an exception and Comedy Bar being an exception, will censor their, their comics and they will censor their crowd. And that's, can you elaborate on that? Okay, well, I'm not going to say which comedy club. Um, it wasn't Yuck Yucks. Don't think that. But uh, it was another comedy club that banned uh, a list of comedians before they even opened up their club. And Boyd Banks being on that list, and he's one of my best friends, I was a little bit, oh, I'm not hanging out there then. If you're going to, before you even open up, have a list of comics that are to never perform, Boyd's a loose cannon. I get it. But people can un- handle a loose cannon in my room, whereas... You go to this other places, more corporate and uptight, and I'm not knocking what they're doing because they clearly have a bottom line to fill that's much greater than mine. So maybe they had to. But at the same time, um, you can see when you go to some places, it's just 
our style of comedy isn't welcome. Well, you can a lot of swear words and poop <clears throat> jokes, and which is I get it. Doesn't some people don't want to listen to that? And, and that's fine. I mean, I think the comedy, but I don't like censorship. The at comedy all. boom in Toronto that's current is not one that promotes censorship. There's a lot of people almost using it to fight uh, for that their speech for their freedom of speech mm-hmm. uh, but you two specifically are opening your doors to a lot of the younger comics you're giving a lot of opportunity to help the ecosystem grow within mm-hmm. you especially joe you know every night you see a lot of kids right out of school or even just like kind of in that uh, open mic community who oh are- yeah open mic is crazy at the club every monday like just uh last night we're recording on a tuesday uh we had over 50 people sign up and we have f- up to like 40, 45 spots throughout the night, but it's every single Monday. Every spot will be filled. And that's hosted by Jeremy Dobsky. Jeremy Dobsky. And then uh, it alternates every week with another guy, uh, Joey Harlem. And oh, they do great. a great job of it because they're both young comics who really love what they do. And uh, they understand that, you know. Those guys the- wouldn't be who they were today without you. Yeah, I totally or agree. You. Or no, you. I, I would put you on that one more. I but, would say you're both right. Saying. It's true. Jeremy Dobsky is and it, a perfect And it goes example. back and forth. Yeah, he's, and he's I wouldn't be what heavily. I am without them at the same time. But, you know, they know that there's a benefit because they genuinely care to see someone who wants to try comedy for the first time. Be like, listen, dude, this is what you got to do. Maybe work on that. This uh, You can find out rooms here. Like, it's strangely supportive. <laughs> Honestly. How, how, how And... That's I, I feel good to be a propri- proprietor of that, yeah. It's almost a new trend because comedians, especially in Toronto, haven't always been known for the budding community or wide open community. And I think you two are a big reason why the community is at its strongest that it's ever been, especially when you look at the young crowds and a lot of how these, uh, like the Ron Jostles and the Ali Hassans, who have been it for 10 to 20 years, are letting these young guys really have their, their moment to shine. And you're seeing a lot of uh, uh, young Toronto comics go to LA, go to New York, you know, do um, a, a mini tour or go live out there for a while how do you think toronto clubs compare to the ones that you go to or that you associate yourselves with say in new york or chicago i've never been to a comedy club outside ontario is that bad no not at all (laughs) that just means that what you're doing is all a reflection of the way you saw it and it's not you mimicking anything i don't think that's bad at all i have some more experience but not nearly as much as like a comic who's gone and performed i just went as a fan to different you know landmark clubs in different cities and uh first opening the club i thought the corner i thought this is just going to be the best representation i can make it but then you know it didn't even take a half a year in business before i realized that what is here in toronto it's not just like the minor leagues it's not, not that's not how no, i see and it they're at all highly underrated yeah the, ta- talk- the level of talent and you uh, talk more about this i hate cause... that people have to leave toronto in order to get discovered yeah i heard you look that. at a bunch of people that you just mentioned uh, a bunch of our friends gone down to la i miss steph tolov i met i miss all kinds of our I, I think that's something that's now gonna... they're getting well known because they're down there i think it's something that's going to happen less and less and it's not to say anything against anyone who's out there chasing a dream you know they've exhausted everything uh all their like avenues here in toronto so okay what's the next level a city five times ten times as big like la or new york where there's that many more people that many more eyes but toronto is on the boom and it has been for a long time i've heard friends in real estate talk about they're anticipating the population to double here within uh less than the less than 10 years so there's going to be 
less and less reason to have to run away. I think so, especially with internet. People can make the complaint because of like the Canadian entertainment industry. You can only get so far. But with the internet and, you know, being able to put your own product out there online, I think it's going to be more of a pipe dream. Like it's not going to be like it was in the 70s and the 80s where you got to make it big. You got to go to New York or you got to go to L.A. This is an amazing playground. And it's uh, so many reasons like um, like you say, freedom of speech, you know, no censorship. Also, like the multicultural aspect. Toronto has fantastic food. Yeah, you know, this is just like <laughs> Joy a lo- loves a lo- the food. There's a lot of open minds here in the city. You know what I mean? And you great know, people. Yeah. What makes a good Toronto audience? Oh goodness! Our differences, just how vast it is. You know, I think what I mean? being able to laugh at ourselves. I think that Toronto is known to be a bunch of jerks, but at the same time, we can take a punch. A Leafs lose every year and we take it. I think there's a big <laughs> but part of it. we're supportive and we're like together in, in whatever bullshit we're stuck in. People are a lot more tolerant in Toronto of other races compared to say, you go to New York and you could get shot for your differences. You might just get teased here. But I think... Well, it's I, a very peaceful place, in my opinion. I think some yeah. of the most successful comedy plays with that dynamic, though, where they know that now here we have a playground where we can bring up race or creed or sex or anything, and suddenly something brilliant will get said because they weren't censored. It's true. In one show, like I, I've been to your Friday night shows with Hasham and uh, Jay... And they, it's oh, like they a, love playing with that. <laughs> yeah, they, and the uh, in one night you'll see Hasham, who's um, I guess of Indian descent. No, uh, he's uh, Eritrean. He's a, yeah, African. he's from North Africa. Eritrea. Eritrea, next to Ethiopia. You'll see JJ Lieberman, who's like one of the leading, you know, homosexual leaders. Oh, he's a hedonist. Hedonist now. He's a hedonist. You know what I mean? Just in just in <laughs> one night alone, you'll see every Everybody. walk of life. Yeah, so many different. You know what? Though I kind of sort of also feel that like. By not allowing censorship and allowing anyone to say what they want. Um, you know that term when you're walking on someone's eggshells? I don't like that. I don't want to walk on someone's eggshells and like feel I got to tiptoe all the time. Tiptoe around the two lips. Yeah, even as I say, you Just, know, even as I make a mistake of where Hasham is from and call Exactly. Hasham wouldn't is. care. No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. And the thing is, is that if we tolerate each other's differences and we make fun of them, but not in a demeaning way, but where everyone's included. Where it's like, okay, we're all get we all get nailed here, and we're all we're all in this together. I just feel that after a good night where everyone got nailed, the room feels tighter. The room feels more like family versus people who are like, oh, that weird person over there. It's like, fuck, my room's chock full of weirdos. And thankfully, so yeah, and that's 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 because the city is, and yeah. I think you two are having mini incubators on either side I ha- of the I city. I have a high amount of people who come by themselves. Oh, really? And a lot of people who are regulars. I think I have a higher amount than possibly anywhere else. I know that in comedy get a in lot general, of onesies. after opening up, yeah, there's a lot of onesies at my place, too, and you feel like, oh, what, they don't have friends? or no, yeah, Everyone's different. Just some people are social butterflies, you know, either, but for some reason, they can come into a comedy club, and it feels like a really good time out, as opposed to, like, going and sitting at a bar where if you're by yourself you just look like hmm, what's up with this guy he's not talking to anyone comedy club you could be by yourself sit down nobody notices you're by yourself we're all watching the show and hey you're all laughing together there's we got a few of them and i know there's concerts some of them i that, go to myself all the time oh, yeah, yeah but you can Tons blend in there you yeah. know what i mean you don't, you don't, pit, don't matter either you're... right so it's really is cool it, for that too is it tough when you were first considering opening and you 
consider what the prices for rent are in this city yeah. and the fact that you're only open so many nights a week and, you know, you really got to hustle to make, I know, Joey, you don't just do comedy, you do burlesque shows, you, you really have to have variety yep. at your club. Uh, you know, can you guys talk to, you know, the strain that Toronto provides shop owners or, you know, the, the ability to open up and pay rent and <clears throat> keep something active? Because you're in the arts community. In the end of the day no matter how much money you're making even even if you're breaking even there's so much more that you put into it that that you uh that the club is so much you as individuals a reflection of ourselves a a complete reflection of you but in the end of the day it costs so much more other entities such as financial what's the strain when when considering keeping a club active in toronto i mean i could think of a bunch of things for sure well like it, it completely consumes me my entire existence, for sure, financially, like my energy. And even in the first year, I had to, uh, I felt like I abandoned so many of my close friends and even my family. You know, I was open up seven nights a week at the in the beginning because I just, every night I had to generate something. So there is like a, a strain on that for sure. But I think just with the right amount of focus on the right things, um, you're always able to find ways to kind of like shave time here add time there and it just becomes like for me personally i can't say exactly for joey and her experience but i know for me it's just been a matter of like getting smarter and smarter with how i budget my time and then also making it so that i put such a great focus on the show and the level of entertainment that guests are provided with because at the end of it like that's going to be the thing that makes them talk about it that makes them want to come back and keep seeing the value of spending, even if it is five or 10 bucks on live entertainment, you know? So putting all those things together is kind of what makes it work. Just the fact that it is working is enough of a success for me. Like I don't need to be making hand over fist when I see like one of the big dreams for me starting it was just the the excitement. Uh, I always just get fascinated with hearing stories of like some of my favorite comics. Oh yeah. And there was this time George Carlin was at the store and this and that happened. I would fantasize over these Hmm. stories. And then for me, one of like the the thrills I got with opening the club was just knowing that I got the next Jim Carrey on my stage right now. I just don't know who it is yet or the next whoever, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a really exciting thing for me to know, like, we're living that story. I'm living that story right now. Wherever it goes, it's going to be worth it 30, 40 years from now when I get to look back and reminisce. You know what I mean? So I just keep thinking, I can't go back to waitressing. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's what else too. am I going to do? Motivation. This is yeah, it. This go is, back to your this old is job. It. And yeah, so many sure. people love it so much. I just have to. So you get up in the morning, you got to do, what do you got to do today to get the day done? Yeah. So that that actually leads me to another question, Joey, for you. What makes a good program? You know, how how many times have you let a program come in and you're like, this is just not working or this has to stick or, you know, what, what have you changed to elevate any of your programs? Um, I was lucky at the beginning because rent wasn't expensive then. Then my landlord caught in on the gentrification in the neighborhood, so it's different now. It's been jacked up. But at the beginning, I, I could afford the leisure of trying this and that. Um, now I cannot. So I won't even let a show go on unless I've seen the performer or whoever wants to host it or it comes with a heavy recommendation. And even that, sometimes I just, I'll put it on with something else just in case it bombs. 
because sometimes someone will have a huge following. Um, the last person I actually physically brought up from the States had, had a huge following and we sold tons of pre-sold tickets. Um, his name was Jeff Tate and he, he brought his girlfriend up, blanket on her name. She was super funny too. Um, but I wasn't sure who he was. I hadn't actually seen his act live. He just came recommended. So I put Jeff Paul and Jared Campbell on to open to make sure at least, at least the open. Well, they killed it. And I remember watching Jeff go up going, whew, I gotta follow I gotta that. Work. I gotta <laughs> like, work now. And you could see like him churning his thoughts, which is probably a good thing because it, it makes creative things happen. And he did do well. But in the end, part of me is just like, I think my, I think my boys might have done better, but I don't want to like knock what anyone's doing because he didn't, he didn't fall flat on the room, but it made me realize just like, no, our guys are good here. Our guys are really, really good. We're just, we don't push it out there. Do you find that it's, I mean, with the amount of responsibility you already have, you mentioned earlier maybe a need for a YouTube or a digital or some sort of extracurricular. You know, if you ever you look at Upright Citizens Brigade in New York or just clubs in New York in general, they have like major Instagram like presence. They have major social media presence. I mean, you guys are one person operations. I can't imagine that social media is oh, that. I suck at yeah, social it's, media. It's not that easy. It, uh, but it's because time consuming for sure. Exactly. So what do you have to do to to uh, you know? overcome that do you have to hire somebody do you have to do it I force yourself? the people who put on shows in my club I force them to do their own social media as part of the contract I said I'll do what I can but for me to go on Facebook and Twitter I like I can't be on the screen too much anyway I have bad eyes and I get seizures so I'm, I'm 10 minutes on the screen and I got to get off so for me to be doing actual social media for hours even being on a computer for hours is not good for me I've been told by neurologist so I've also been excused thankfully by medical reasons not to do social media <laughs> but that, it still has to get done that's one of the bi so, biggest challenges for sure it's just like the advertising but even still i see people with perfectly good eyes like going oh you know rubbing their own eyes i'm like i know them screens hurt yeah after a while i used to go i used to get furious when i first started i was just like you know because my shows run a bit differently than uh at the underground um i book all the shows you know, and I run a showcase style show. It lasts just over an hour long, and you get to see six or seven comics do ten minute sets. And I like that because anybody coming there for the first time, they're not uh, committed to each act for that long. You know, ten minutes is a good amount of time to showcase the best of what they got, and it's a good variety. It's kind of like speed dating in a sense. You know what I mean? One after another. So I would book people in the beginning, and I would go online, and I'm just like, I don't see anyone making a peep about it. And I it used to blow my mind because I was like, okay, I try to pretend. Okay, I'm a comic. I'm on a show. I'm trying to become a professional. I'm trying to be a professional. Why would I not market myself? But then I quickly realized it was just like, that's like a bad way to look at it. Like the onus is on them. Listen, I'm the club owner. I, it's my job to get people in the club. And then I just slowly said, okay, let me find a way to do it in such a, a rhythm. So now it's just fill in the blank for me. I do it the same way for all my different platforms. So day in, day out, it's just fill in the blank, tag the people. Sometimes you get them sharing it. So, sometimes they don't, but at least it's, it's out there. And even though it's like a small amount, I think it's the, the persistence overcomes resistance kind of thing. And it's just like you keep doing that same thing over and over and over again, consistency. And then eventually people start to pick up and know where to find the info and things like that. You know, it is huge, though. Marketing is a huge thing. I couldn't do that, Joe. Props to you. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I delegate. 
crops. But we we have our own method. <laughs> yeah, and people travel to Toronto, they're going to look up a few things. They're going to look up food, entertainment. Nightlife, yeah, for sure. Nightlife. I do admit, though, I have to say that I'm lucky that my the website I built, I'm really good at keeping that update. I tell people when they come to the club, I'm like, oh, I suck at social media, but you can check my site's always update. I know for a fact that I'm like, you can look at the analytics and see what the link on my upcoming shows that on my Twitter, on my Facebook, on my Instagram, here, click on this button. That actually does get clicked a lot, that little click on button on Facebook. Um, yeah. goes straight to my site or my call button. There's certain things if you know what works with your particular demographic. Um, so yeah people think it's funny though when I say oh, I am a pothead I suck at social media and they suddenly think that's funny and they're not they don't I don't seem to get judged if say like yuck yucks could never pull that because they're far more professional than I am and they can't blame anything but <laughs> whereas even, I'm lucky that way even yuck yucks it has works its for own, the marketing even yuck yucks has their own style and then I just make sure my website's updated at all times and then I'm good I want to talk about but, different styles. Yeah. And Joey, you have almost a long form of a style of shows. Shows will can last sometimes an hour, sometimes three hours. Oh, I've never had three hour shows. Well, even Dope Mike on a Wednesday night, you start at nine oh two. Nine thirty. It's yeah. always at nine thirty exactly, and he's always done at nine ten or maybe nine twenty. Oh, you mean 11, 10, 11, 12? 11, 10, 11, 12. Sorry, 11, 10. Yeah, so yeah, the, yeah. it's never more than two hours that I won't let it. But what I do do is say on Fridays and Saturday nights, we have double and triple shows. Or sometimes what else, especially Saturday, no one seems to show up on the right times ever. So what we started doing is we had, like, say on um, Thursday, we have our, or Saturday, we have our burlesque show. So she'll put her burlesque show on at 8 o'clock. And then have all that chaos done and over, we start comedy at 9.30. But then there's people just kind of coming in whenever they feel like it. So sometimes the 11 o'clock show no break we just keep doing it we just have the old host from the last oh, show immediately introduce the next host so that's how i motor along with like we did that when we did the comedy gauntlet last weekend i've done that when um on my friday shows if i find that my fridays are extended and, and people have been walking in whenever they felt like it which they often do in my place they're never on time so that's why jeff trapped. paul starts his on wednesday at 9.30, maybe 9.34, he's getting antsy because he knows that people aren't showing up. when They just show up whenever they want. And now it's starting to get busy again because spring and fall were always busiest with that show, it seems. Um, so he's like, oh, I got to get all the rooms on. He gets all tense. And I'm like, well, you're the one who wants everyone to come in all at once. Like, and, but It's Joey, hilarious. You have more of a st- strict kind of in and out but like it's like a it's almost like these are more showcases yeah, it's a showcase yeah. so is that more of an american style is that more of a traditional style you know what it's, it's weird it's how a Tejito I, style yeah it's weird how it just <laughs> came together because i tried so many different formats when i first started i had this idea where it would just be shotgun one comic after another throughout the whole night i did that i would have 30 comics and they would introduce themselves and then i started to realize the importance of a host you know, guiding because Toronto is an audience that kind of still needs to be taught how comedy works. Because a lot of the time they, they their come hands to the club held a little bit. Yeah, they're just like, okay, this is the time when you laugh. This is the time when you clap. This is the time where, and this is how it works. Um, but it wasn't the style was the format wasn't. Uh, what would I say? Like inspired by you know other popular clubs. You know, I would study research. How's everyone doing it? And there's something about just seeing multiple acts during the time that you're there that makes it feel like it's the best bang for your buck. Because even though I might say 
love this one headliner who's on on the show personally there might be someone in the audience who doesn't and if they don't after 10 minutes they got to go well i'm stuck with this person for another half hour people who have like a huge cult following those fans want to see them doing an hour and even even that it's like you know to sit through it's like okay when is this done you can't tell but it's just like having a punchy act after act after act hour blocks and i have like a very small room so i need to turn it around in order to make it profitable for everyone involved you know who are some of your favorite toronto hosts for hosting comedy shows Jeff Paul, Jeff Paul. Yeah, so Jeff Paul, who does a a podcast on this network, The Potato Files. Yeah. So he also does a weekly doping mic on Wednesday nights, 9.30 at the Underground. Joey, how did that start? That's probably the biggest midweek show in the city. I was looking for a good midweek show, and Sandra Badalini recommended him. So uh, usually I'm the kind of person that I I go with my very first gut instinct. If I feel like swallowing my heart, that's not a good sign. And sometimes, you know, if I'm like feel immediately good, yeah. So if I just suddenly get a frog, you know, that frog in the throat feeling, that's if I get that, then I always put the brakes on no matter what situation it is because there's something inside me that tightens up. So I don't know what it is. Not with Jeff immediately. I was like, yeah, this guy. Because what I wanted, and this is exactly what I got, because I sort of feel sometimes my club is like a East Coast kitchen party. You ever, you know what an East Coast kitchen party is? So I feel like the, there's like the party in the main room and then there's the second party beside my bar of like just good folk. And uh, I just sort of feel like Jeff is that guy at the party that's always getting everyone drinks and like slapping everyone in the back and like letting them good know where the ice is. Yeah. I just, that's what I wanted. And he filled that perfectly without even knowing. That's right. He's more than just a host on the stage. <laughs> no, he's, he, and, he, and, it's and like so give and take relationship there's some people too, that, right? that are there after a while. At the beginning though, they're totally thrown off by his, his, his boldness on the stage with the, some of the customers. Like, Hey, how's it going? You, you new here? Oh, well, you're going to stay for the orgy after. There's never a fucking orgy. Come on. I don't want to see Jeff Paul naked. Maybe Kira <laughs> does, but none of us do. And he knows this, though, and he plays with that, and he, like, makes people feel uncomfortable. But then you look at what he does to Savio every week, and Savio just takes it. Your, what your he show, does to yeah. everyone in the room. You but have then a family that's brewing That's there. how they feel. They're like, ah, he's just the, you know, our dirty, shallow uncle who's half drunk and half high. You're, and you're, you're saying all these names like people know, lover. and I'm sure the people who are listening know they're that They're just know. regulars. Well, yeah, they're the regulars. And, and that's the thing about a good host. He knows who these people are. Yeah. They're just our, our uncles yeah, and remembering brothers and your sisters. clientele or your, your guest when they come in. It's just like, hey, nice to see you again. You know what that feels like? It's a warm like? feeling, even, even if you're me, getting nailed. Yeah, if I go to a bar every, like, even say once a week, and then one day the person's like, hey, Joe, what's up? I'm like, oh, great. I'm going to continue wanting to come to this place. You know what I mean? It's like you feel like it's like it's like a little bit of a cheers thing, you know? Well, that's the best part about a comedy club that isn't that kind of corporate, sterile environment. I think that's why the underground is so popular because people don't feel like, what do I do? Where do I go? No, I don't want anyone. I mean, sometimes we get deep and we have some heavy comedians, but at the beginning, sometimes I don't want people to feel that way. They're going to feel like a sense of expectation or they're going to feel not included. So that's why I like sometimes having hosts like that like jeff or there's a few jay freeborn's like that he shams like that jen Sicado's like that um they just have this way of making people feel warm so i seek that in a host on purpose too has anybody ever come back to you and thanked you for giving them the opportunity that you've provided all the time 
Oh yeah. Any stories come? Sometimes to mind? your point, like, you're like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> no, I, I, I've had it with so many different people. Wow. Yeah, but th- honestly, it's like I can't say if I start. Sometimes, thinking. sometimes these things don't have to go unsaid. So half yeah. the comics don't actually come out and say, "Hey, I want to thank you." Sometimes it's just a look, you know what I mean? You can just feel it. Yeah, but for me personally, like, that's one of the things, like, getting that little reminder every now and then from any comic, and especially when it's the least expected, and they come up and they're like, yo, seriously, thank you, man, you're doing something I like it on the stage, too. When they say it, it's just like, oh, fuck, I haven't heard one of those for a week, and it's like, okay, I'm doing the right thing, let's keep going, kind of thing, you know? What are some of the best sets you've ever seen at your clubs? (laughs) Hmm. Uh, I don't have as much of a history, um, as much of like the level of talent that's coming to the underground just because the club is still in its infancy. But the best ones that I have seen have always been with the local comics. I've had like some bigger names come in uh, on my dime and also just because they were in town. Ms. Pat was awesome. Yeah. And it's always impressive. You know what I mean? Like these are like trained killers who circuit all throughout North America. But the best sets have been from like the random acts of the regulars who play that are right from this city because they speak to the audience in a way like that's like undertones of Toronto, similar experiences. And I've just like, when you're in a tight little room with 30 people and it gets leveled, like it feels like everything is shaking and people are smacking the walls, laughing like hysterically. So it's, it's always been from a local. Those have been the most memorable sets for me. And there's a long list of them who have all done it as well. Joe, you're very modest. You're very humble in your beginnings. And I think that's going to take you very, very far away. And we're going to continue definitely to get Joey's answer. But I just want to say, every time I have a comedian here talking about the hard work they have to put in and the hours put in, they're always putting you two and your clubs at the top of the list of providing the opportunity, but kind of incubating the talent and the boom that you guys clearly are aware of, that it's probably the biggest it's ever been you know, in the last 10 years or so, even maybe longer. What about you, Joey? Who? What are some of the best sets that, you know, maybe the stars were aligned, the underground was that perfect amount of haze? Who steps out in your memory? Obviously, Joe Rogan. That one, I think we should set that one aside because that was a gift. But I guess maybe the first ever booked act that blew my mind was when Scott Thompson walked in because I grew up watching kids in the hall with my parents and he was uh it was pretty like oh my god Scott Thompson are you kidding oh god I don't believe he's not coming he's not coming he's not coming and then at the end of the night after he performed and we're all blown away he sat down with two of my biggest chronic friends Kim and Naomi you know those two more regulars (laughs) old stoners and and they're just rolling joint after joint because they're so happy they're smoking weed with Scott Thompson and I remember falling apart at the end of the night thinking how do you tell a famous person they have to leave you don't cracked a beer started rolling up a spliff and sat down with them as tired as i was and i wanted to go home and a normal night i would have kicked anyone out like hey guys i gotta get home no i was just what if this never happens again and it happened like 40 times since then scott's a regular (laughs) in the place but that blew my mind it was the first actual famous person that just wanted to sit down after Oh, not just get down right after the Sometimes show. they want to perform, and I had well-known people before that. But to have someone just actually completely absorb it so so readily and comfortably. Too. 
It's an awesome hang. Yeah, he was like, I'm just loving this. This is amazing. And I'm like, I think it's oh, a big okay, thing I'm glad it's mutual. Behind both of our clubs, too, is that the fact that it does feel like a good hang. It's a cool place to want to stay. Where, like, in my own opinion, like some of the other places, it's just kind of like, here's the show, and now it's uh, it's go time or whatever. You know what I mean? That was just my personal experience getting into it. It was like, this is, these, like, Underground was a place where, when the show's done, I want to continue to spend my time here and not look for the next bar immediately. You know what I mean? Or the next place to go. Definitely. Um, it's more of a party yeah. at the underground. <laughs> it's definitely a, a, like a, I didn't a, mean a, it. A, 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 yeah. No, an East coast kitchen party. It's, it's definitely when you're at a place like yucks or absolute, you're kind of like, okay, light lights, house lights are on. They want you out of here. Yeah, it's the Get show then go. Yeah. My mission is very like different than their though, mission right? though. Let's, Again, like, it's a business. It's a business a bit more for them. And often, not to brag, but I watch every show in there. I don't care if it's if it's burlesque, if it's live music. We have a drag show once a month now. There's the, the comedy sh- uh, gauntlet. There's all kinds of stuff other than comedy. Just I like entertainment in general. And, you know, sometimes when we've had some really good bands in there and, like, the whole wall's vibrating and everyone's just sitting in a hot box listening to good music, I'm like, why don't I do this more often? This is amazing. And then I'm like, oh, it's more work, right? But that to me is like more than anything is like actually absorbing it yourself. And I think you can tell that in any business, whether the owner of the the actual business is absorbing their business. Because of your history. Because Just of your passion. Of, but because of your, your club in general and the history that it has, names like Joe Rogan have graced your stage can you talk- because other people have talked about it well can you talk about who those people are who who are the people that told joe to come or who are some of the other big names that you've had on your well, stage? again like a lot of me a lot of the comics a lot of the clientele are listening to podcasts so it started off not just with joe but two other promoters were targeting comics from down in the in the south and bringing them up and i think it was when it started getting talked about it like Okay, we didn't even talk about what went on in the club. Like, we had a running joke, like, Fight Club, it doesn't exist. We don't talk about it. And then we, we get away with it. Right, right. Now it's different. That was before with like, any legalization was happening, too. Yeah, so. that was like a while when we had to be a little bit more DL. And uh, in the end, I'm still not doing anything illegal by letting people smoke there. Like, all the vapor lounges in Toronto were on a swing where, it, well, if the cops come in, we all get charged. But who, they're not doing that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously the cops have more important things to do. Well, and- clearly, in 10 years of being there, that proved that. So the very first photograph that ever got published on my stage was when Joe Rogan was at the club and he couldn't believe what was going on. And he was like, oh my God, they weren't lying. This is crazy. And then he walked out from the back room, walked up towards the edge of the stage and took a picture of my crowd and tweeted it. And someone's like, someone, I'm like, what? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. all right, cat's out of the bag. And... uh that's how I found her place too. Was I was a avid listener of the Joe Rogan podcast, and I'm sitting there listening to this day. And he starts what? talking about a couple Toronto. times a month. People come in. I check this place out because I heard about it on the podcast. Yeah. Said, oh, I get room. more because of him than I do for anything. I'll well, be honest. Listenership, and that was like that was like it's one of this weird. early podcast, like like maybe in first couple hundred podcasts. I remember listening. I'm like, 
oh, and in my head, I was like, this has to be Vapor Central. I tell Joey this funny no. story where it's like, I went there with one of my buddies just to go and hang out because we already knew about VC. And uh, we go up there and I go to the woman working the, the desk. And I'm like, hey, just by any chance, um, has Joe Rogan ever come here? And I didn't know what was the meaning behind it then, but she gave me this sour look like, no, I don't know. I don't know what, what you're talking about. I was just like, oh, I could have swore it was this place. You nope. Know? No, it was, and it was hers. And I, was, I still didn't know because he didn't say the name of it. So I never- never tweeted about it i never brag about it i just just live it so yeah. <laughs> you started off just. as a, a podcast fan then that led you to joey's club and then you started putting on your own shows which led you to open up your own club but ultimately it's for your love of comedy but it's because of that kind of joe rogan spark that is where you are today yeah it's, it's interesting honestly it's the power of podcasts for sure it's a because fibonacci it's a, circle yeah man it's, it's just like a new form of media especially when i first started getting into it like i can remember my first iphone i was trying to go forever without getting a smartphone i was like no i don't need this i don't need this one day my brother's just like yo bro you think if like our grandfather was like sending letters in the mail and then someone introduced the home telephone. What would it have been like if he was like, no, I'm not going to do it. It's like sometimes you just got to hop on board. You know what I mean? Like this is the way the train's going. So I buckle, get this new smartphone, just playing with it. And I see podcast button. What the hell is that? That's all I'm thinking. Hmm. But I noticed it was the only thing I can get on my phone that was free free content i'm just like oh okay let's play with this and it started with kevin smith because he was the only face i re- uh, recognize jay and silent bob i'm like oh, i love these guys then kevin smith is on a mark Marin podcast and then i start listening to Marin. the next thing you know rogan's on a Marin, and then i start listening to rogan and then one two three four five six all these podcasts are coming out just hearing them talk about things like this is what it is and it starts to make you realize that you're just living in the, your own space bubble and then finally, you start to tune into something, a different frequency, a different channel. And you're just like, oh, there's more to life, you know? Well, we like to think of ourselves as the corner comedy and the underground of podcasting in Toronto. <laughs> you kind of have to do it because nobody else is doing it. Yeah, it's all, it starts, it's all grassroots. And that's how it starts, you know what I mean? Just like people making noise where they didn't realize they can make noise. And for maybe a long time, you're going to be like, no one's really listening. But if you keep doing it, keep doing, and what you're pushing is genuine and true, and it's it's coming from a, a good place, and you're trying to, what, spread joy, happiness, laughter? These are all good things. Eventually, it's going to start coming back. How many people have you met just because you followed a certain path? It all started with one decision, even for you. Say, hmm, why not try this? And it just, the the universe just throws it all in your lap. And if you just keep doing it, people are just like, well, it's just like getting a smartphone. Eventually, people are like, well, you know, we're going to have to support them yeah, because they're helping shot. us. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's exactly what you two are doing. And Joey, we were joking, you know, out in the green room before uh, about how uh, Kay Trevor Wilson was hosting one of mm-hmm. uh, Jeff's dope mics while Jeff was on the Tater Tour 2017 in uh, Vancouver. And Kay Trevor, I don't, I, maybe you can remember who was on the lineup. I don't remember who was on the lineup. I just remember what Kate Trev said when he started. And he just, uh, he gets up and he's like, guys, I don't think you realize who you have tonight. He said, but if you were to try as a promoter to book all of these people and like all at once in one show, you could not afford the show. I've seen Ali Hassan, Jason Rouse, Alex Pavone, 
uh, Nick Beaton, um, Sandra Badalina, Phil Luzzi. Uh, Steve Patterson was here a couple weeks Steve ago. Steve Patterson d- does drop-ins. Hunter Collins. Tim Steves. Tim yeah, Steves. Are, 17 yeah. years on uh, Rick Mercer and, and just like some of these people who are like the pillars of Canadian. Mm-hmm. Scott Thompson. Like it's unbelievable the names that if you put them all on a piece of paper and show kind of the Canadian entertainment family tree of what they exist right now. And especially even Katrev himself with the whole Letterkenny thing and it's like the new way of the Toronto comedy and entertainment boom, what do you see as the trend? Where are the these comedians taking your clubs, taking the show formats? I mean, what, what do you see as the changes and what are you hoping for for the next five, ten years? I think if anything, the one thing that I've noticed is, is again, this, this surge towards um, more uncensored and more tell-it-like-it-is kind of comedy. But okay, if this is a weird way of measuring it, I measure my shows in how many performers want to watch the show. So sometimes when I do my Friday night specials or when I get someone well-known in, I'll have well-known comics coming to watch it. Jeff Paul's show is the, one of the only showcase shows we does where – Comics regularly come to watch it. Like th- last week, Tim Steves just showed up to hang out. Not even just Tim. Phil, Sandra, Often, Nick Beaton. I can, I, can, I can name off like dozens of comics. It becomes a hang. So like Tim Steves was like, in a, no, he didn't get a spot. He just hung there and drank beers with the rest of us at the back. It was just like, all right, cool. That to me is a mark of success. When you see, like, you can count all the money in the world and you can look at all the props on the internet and the tags and the likes on Instagram, but when you see certain behaviors. So that to me is where I know I'm being successful is when uh, other comics want to hang. Uh, Joe, what are your trends? One point, just to, to, like on top of what she's saying, is I, I once heard in a podcast Doug Stanhope and the guy interviewing him was like, you do realize that you're like, you're the it guy in comedy right now. Like everyone would easily agree that you're the guy. Everyone knows when you're on stage, we all come and listen to you. And Stanhope said it. It's just like, well, you know what? After this many years, don't try to quote this, but this is how I remember it. Was he goes, that's who I'm playing for now. If I don't hear the comics in the back of the room laughing, then I'm like, okay, I can do and say whatever it takes to make this audience laugh. But with my new ideas, with what I'm trying to say, if I don't hear the comics in the back, then it's yeah, like, then what am I really doing? Right. That's so it, it goes to show like what Joey's saying about other comics coming to watch other comics because we're watching each other getting inspired by each other but to tie it back into your original question where do i see it all going i genuinely see it like going to the same place that you know some of the most known clubs in the world like the comedy cellar and the store and everyone knows that on any given night any huge name would either be on the bill or just drop in and then they come and do some surprise set like Chris Rock or Seinfeld at the cellar or Dave Chappelle or Bill Burr just showing up at the store. And I think that ha- that's where it's going to head as these comedians get bigger and bigger with their own careers is they're not going to stop coming to the clubs that serve as their, their dojo, hmm. as their gym, as their temple to come and practice. You know what I mean? They're going to keep going there because these are the places that they develop their acts, which they later personally on, derive pleasure. Yeah. So it becomes this harmonious relationship of back and forth where it's just like one day I'm giving one comic all the stage time. They get huge and now they're not around anymore. But when they're in town, they're going to drop in and the club's going to be full and they're not going to be dropping in for cash. They're going to be dropping in because they just want to work on a new tight 10. And this is where it starts. 
in a club. You know what I mean? We had me and Joey brought Felipe Esparza up to her club one time. Yeah, golden dude. He is very popular podcast. Uh, he won last comic standing before the show took its hiatus. And this guy was just amazing. And he loved the energy also because he's a huge, huge fucking pothead. He loved the energy of the room and he broke it down to me like this. He goes, I love rooms like this because even if I get a chuckle off a joke in a room like this, a chuckle when I do that in a theater, it turns into a rolling laughter because there's that many more people. So the chuckle jokes will translate to this in a theater. And then when everyone's roaring, that's like a way to end a bit or a closer in a theater. So to see him looking at it like that Very and putting few that comics much value can do that. on it, you know? Very few comics can do that, though. A lot of comics have trouble when they, they just get the chuckle. They can't see it into the role. Yeah, like, oh, why aren't you blowing up right now? No, I, that comes with time, too. You know, the guy's probably done however many theaters. No, and also play, playing to a, to a, to a just, like, I, I don't, this is not even a brag point. This is like, a, but sometimes having a stoned audience works against the comic. Philippe was perfect for our audience because he knew how to play with that. Oh, that he yeah. understood that the buildup was important and that it takes a while to build it up. We're like that little engine that could. But I've seen comics just fall flat in my room. Yeah. They do. They do great everywhere else. I kind of like that about the super intimate so, rooms because some of these comics are so used to this j- joke killing in front of three hundred people at a club or in a theater, and yeah. they come to this place where like the guy's head is literally like you know arm's length away from you, <laughs> and you do this killer joke, and then you say it, and then everyone's just They're looking just at staring you. at you like, are you kidding? And then and you can see some comics in Friend their head. Gil did that last weekend at my place. He ended up telling a joke that we just didn't get because we're not American. He's yeah. like, okay, I see, I lost you on that just one. Like, oh, okay, because they're so used to like the clapping and then moving into something. Yeah, we just I like didn't it being get the a joke. Like we just that. didn't, you know, we're, it's a, it was a geographical reference that we didn't understand. Sometimes I would have comics, they would buckle and they'd be like, oh, okay, normally that gets an applause. And then they kind of turn on the crowd. And they'll, some of them, I, I, it's I a real that. pet peeve, but they'll be like, oh, what does this fucking matter anyway? There's only 30 people in here. Ooh. It's like, there's 30 people that paid to watch someone who they don't yeah, know. I get that sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? What are some of the mistakes that these young comics or just comics in general make? Well, sometimes they're not young. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Sometimes they're well the seasoned. Well, they like maybe some sometimes peeves, they are seasoned and they still blame the room. What are your pet peeves? Yeah, because you room call work. it a mistake, but what's that? Room work. I'm not crazy about crowd work unless oh, it's done well. Or and by I a hate host. room work. You, like unless it's clever, don't rip apart my room. Yeah. Don't get sarcastic on my room. It's biting the hand that feeds. So some and my place is kind of a dump. I'll go there. Just <laughs> just saying. Yeah. I'm happy to be it. there. It's like a garage. My my landlady lets me do what I want there, so that's rare in itself. And I'll take, you know, we're not disease ridden, it's not gross, it's not moldy. So, you know, as long as we're passing them healthy benefits, it's still, you know, but sometimes people will make fun of, or the decor in my place cuz it's, you know, it's clearly a hipster place. Sorry. It's a basement hangout. Almost. The base. It's like that '70s show. We just that put more that crap, <laughs> more crap on the wall, and the more crap people bring me, the more crap ends up on my wall. And uh, once in a while, I purge. But in the end, people like all that stuff. Um, I think for me, I won't even call it like a pet peeve. If anything, I'd just like to say like just genuine, honest advice. Like as someone who watches comedy day in, day out for hours at a time, saying like starting a set by asking how you're doing. It's like just kind of like 
It's really tiresome. It's <laughs> like you might be the fourth person who did it. It's like <laughs> we're still doing good. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. It's just it's just a kind of thing a reflex that people don't realize. And yeah. then also like you know you might not think much of it because it's a smaller club or but if it's a Friday night, pulling out like a phone or a notepad to look at notes, you know what I mean, or saying things like, "Okay, what do you guys want to talk about?" Like these are little things that kind of like break the illusion that everyone performing before you took so long to create because like. Sometimes it takes one or two acts before the show's really like, oh, we're watching a show where this happens. And then once you do something like, hey, how's it going? Or, okay, let me just check my notes. Everyone just goes back to like, oh, fuck, I was... I was hypnotized there for a minute until you said this. You know what I mean? It's funny. That is a pet peeve uh, for me as an audience member. Not because it, it, it it's like, I get it. You're you're doing a million shows a week. You're, you want to do new material. If it's a new material, Mike, I totally, uh, night, I totally understand. But you're right. On a Friday night, a headlining night even, the second somebody takes a cell phone out in your presence, you're like, oh, well, I guess I'll take my phone out. And yeah. I hear a lot in like the UK especially, there's no phones. Like they're... The I Audiences are are completely. Oh, we're pretty strict about it in our club. <laughs> yeah, it, I'm, I hate phones in my club. Yeah, people try to record at my club. I, I ended up buying a laser pointer. I just like I'll like beam it right on their phone, and they're like, "Oh," because I've had a few comics get really upset yeah. too. That's like, how this jokes is my get stolen. Art, you know what I mean? You're you're recording my art. You don't have the permission to do this. You know. We're talking so much about American comics. Is there value in in bringing an American comic? to a canadian club i i mean it, it seems like when our dollar was equal it, sure. was, it was nowadays now it's 30 percent drop so unless that comic's really drawing to make sure the bottom line comes up like it's harder and that that made it actually that was a big drawing line for me not bringing up as lot as many so or being more careful about who i you know do let come because like i don't yeah, want to see the promoters draw, lose money fill up the place and yeah why take the risk so it's like that I've had to maneuver a lot of things, you know, either sharing shows with other places or, you know, putting the, the comic off to another promoter completely and saying, like, I can't, I don't have a million dollars plus the government's 30% now. How much responsibility but do you think? Infamy is valuable, though. <laughs> as a club owner to kind of breed the talent in toronto to almost create stars yeah that's the main focus for sure that 100 percent has to be my experience was bringing in people from the states with joey at her club and when i opened my place i did have this idea in my head that i would continue to do that number one i knew that financially with only 30 seats it's very tough to make it work and then number two it hit me real quick that it was like if i can't make this business work off of the talent in the city and I would have to rely on those people coming from out of town, then there's no point in doing this. The focus always had to be on the locals. At least that was the only choice I had. But now, yes, what that's doing is... That's your family too. Yeah, that's your family. These are the people you talk to every day. You know what I mean? And it's a great way to put it because I've thought about that recently. How like, what's the difference between these Can't people and actual forget your brothers family? just because you're cousins. I don't know. So. Spend more time together than anybody else. But yeah, it is about building these people up to the point where Canadian consumers start to actually treat them with the same level of like uh, respect as they do, you know, any huge name that comes in from out of town. We're still kind of like that, I think, here in Canada. A name from, oh, we know them from this show or that Netflix special or whatever. But then you could literally go and see any local crush just as hard, if not harder, and I it think, would blow your mind. I think that's also two different kinds of audiences. There's the audience who wants to laugh, and then there's the audience that wants to see something famous. 
Yeah, for sure. Which is maybe a bit shallow, but it's still a human dynamic that's in everything and everyone. I mean, even I get caught in that trap where I got to make sure I get a selfie or a photo on the stage of whoever famous came. And I find I'm like running it and then I'm like, what do I need to do this for? Who cares? And then I look at my, then I look at my photo file of all the famous people and like, okay, it's it's pretty cool. It is too, man, because think about how many- ego struggle right there alone. How many people just flock to the store or the seller just because they know who's played on that stage and nothing more. At the same time, you know what? It goes a long way. I don't know which customers I prefer. I prefer the customers who come every week, who are just there all the time, or do I want the fair weathers? I know. We, we had valid. A, we did a weekend with this great comedian, Angelo Sarukas, and he did nine shows over three nights. Nine hours of comedy this guy did, like a savage. And he had this amazing following within his Greek community. They all pretty much sold out. People paid a pretty penny to come and watch him. But I remember by the last night, I did have a little sadness. As happy as I was at the successful weekend, I I realized, you know, the last night I would look at the audience and assess each audience that was in there. And it saddened me to think that I knew I'll be lucky if 2% of all the people who came here this weekend will ever come back to just see another show. Yeah. Why? Why do you think that is? Because they're there to see They're only Angela. there to see that person. That's who they were there to see. A lot of the big shows that I, that I let happen, even the shows Joe did, the shows that Rob or Ian or any of the other promoters have done, they don't come out the other nights. So therefore, you are building up your own star system locally. So locally, people have a reason to see who they want to see on a regular basis, and yeah. it's more accessible. Well, I think a lot of the onus is on the comedians too, right? Not to say like, I mean, we're all responsible, but I always tell the comics for a while now, I'm just like, bro, you need a website. Oh, really? Yeah. You think so? Oh, it's just yeah. like, yeah, man, because it just gives the image. So if anyone sees you on stage, you could throw them a card and say, yo, check out my stuff on my website. And instantly they'll look at you in a different regard. They won't think of you as just some guy who's chasing his dream or some bartender who does this on the side. They'd be like, no, this is a professional comedian and this is number one. You can click on it, whether they have podcast content, sketches, a blog, something. Joe Rogan got huge off of his blog. He was really great at social media before too. the podcast. Yeah, we were friends on MySpace. That's you know what I mean, like back. just blogging, wow. content to MySpace. provide, right? <laughs> Who are some of your favorite Toronto-based comedians that you are seeing rise to the top? Whether it's currently or you, you know, you see a future. Oh, well, Katra, we got to bring that guy up again. That guy, blew, I remember when he was in Cumber College, and I remember when a lot of like Brian O'Gorman's getting big. Um, who else can we go off about? There's uh, a bunch of guys. I know, like for me, like I, I, I do have like a, a regular roster kind of thing of people who are just always at the club. I'm always looking for more acts, obviously, but there is like a really cool family vibe happening there. And you know, off the top of my head, like someone that just blows me away time and time again is uh, Paul Thompson. Yeah, Paul's I think he's amazing. one of the most underrated in the community, and I know anybody who could, would be considered a killer would. 100% Paul agree. has never bombed. I've known him no, 10 100% years. 100% agree. Paul Thompson's a great comic. I mean, I have every comic can be like, oh, but they could be doing this or they could like constructive criticism, but he's one of the most underrated. And then another guy for me too that comes off the top of my head is Dan Guyery. And he's been at it for a long time. And it's just like, he's still doing it, but he does this amazing show once a week at the corner the called Danger The Danger Room. Room. And it is a riot. And what he stands for and what his vision is like aligns with mine. And it's like, I see really big things happening for them. I mean, I can give you a list of like over a dozen names and anyone who 
what to where to listen to this right now that plays the club you know who you are kind of thing right but just right off the top of my head that was two people i can see big things happening for well joey you you did promote your dope mic which are wednesday nights with our host of never sleeps networks the potato files jeff paul can you touch just a, a promo the danger room with dan guyry that's sunday nights yeah so the danger room with dan guyry and co-host morgan o'shea every sunday night at the corner starting at 9 p.m and it uh goes from 9 p.m until midnight or until some one cries what now touch on that why is it called the danger room why is there the risk of someone crying okay so it's the danger room because dan, uh, dan said he got fed up with all these places coming up uh deemed as safe rooms you know comedy safe rooms where you know certain subjects aren't allowed to be talked about to make it a less dirty show so he goes well comedy's not safe so he said let's create the danger room uh and he calls it a safe space for dangerous ideas so he encourages all the acts to Talk about the comedy that they feel like might be a little too edgy anywhere else. But on top of that, to kind of level it all out, he tells the audience, you're going to be hearing some, maybe some filthy stuff. But if you, the audience, aren't into it, then you're allowed to boo and heckle these comedians. So if the show sucks and you don't like what you see, it's probably because of you and you haven't, you haven't booed these people so at first it gets a little weird, but then as the night continues, everyone starts, you know, chirping and coming in. And it's really cool because a lot of the time you don't see the actual set that a comedian could provide. But what it does in a lot of ways is it prepares comedians for when that happens in a normal environment. Because you could be at a regular show and anybody in the audience could be like, you know what, you fucking suck. And then it's just like, well, do it throw me off? But once they've done the danger room a dozen times, they can diffuse the problem instantly continue you know what i mean mm. which is a skill that's really good to have or not right? say what they said <laughs> or be like okay that's too far yeah yeah there's all kinds of ta- <laughs> wheels ways of dealing with it one comic said to me it's often if someone heckles you could just tell them to repeat what they just said and often they'll be like oh never mind <laughs> you know sorry what was that can you say that again and they realize how dumb it sounded or whatever you know do you find that a smaller venue almost has a more heckler vibe, whereas Joey's has this homey kind of stoner. They're, they're, uh, they're, they're a little too beyond. The weed stops the yeah, heckling exactly. a bit, I'll be honest. Yeah, I just think the difference <laughs> between there. like mood, between like, you know, a drinking crowd on a Saturday night downtown Toronto. If uh, anything, I get people who forget that comedy is rhetorical. So they just start talking to the person on the stage <laughs> like, so, no, yeah. no, 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 this is rhetorical questions. Yeah. So uh, that's a problem. I think I suffer that other comedy clubs might not. <laughs> well, I want to thank you two for coming. Oh, thanks for having us. This is fun. You two are pillars of the Toronto comedy scene and the Canadian comedy scene. Because let's be honest, Toronto, between Toronto, maybe Montreal, and maybe Vancouver. Edmonton's pretty good. Yeah? yeah okay. Yeah, this, there's scenes out there. But yeah, I know what you mean in the sense that Toronto is kind of like a hub for you. Because Winnipeg's got that their thing going on, too. It's all different, though. Toronto, I think, is it, when... It's the most populous yeah. like, city in the country. And the, the, we're getting the most kind of nightlife travel. People want to come to Toronto to party, then they're, they're going to check out a comedy yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, We got lots of Americans. I get a lot of people off the internet, too, who just are Googling Comedy Toronto, and then they when they find my place, they're like, oh, my God, there's a weed place, because my site's pretty good for taking over Google, if you actually put in comedy. And then sometimes I, uh, uh, I get people who want pot comedy, and they'll come, but... Can you plug your site? Let's plug your stuff, guys. Uh, puffmama.ca. And what? how did you get the name Puff Mama, by the way? 
Oh, it was a night of drinking that came around, but a bunch of us <laughs> were doing shots, and then I pulled out a big fat cannon, and no one wanted it but me, because they were all too drunk. Really? Is that how? I never so asked So they were like, before. Puff Mama, Puff Mama, drunkenly chanting at me, so I took it. All right, puffmama.ca, and that's 670 Queen, Queen Street East. 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 Don't forget about the East Riverside. End because because, on the West Side. Yeah, so uh, we're at the corner of Queen and John, the Corner Comedy Club. You could check out our uh, listings at thecornercomedy.com. Um, we're open five nights a week. Uh, we have what we were talking about earlier, the Danger Room on Sundays. Monday is a wide open mic, so if anybody is ever interested in giving it a shot, like we said, it's a a very supportive community. So coming out for your first time, the corner is a great place to come and dip your feet in the water. If it's something you want to try, we're always encouraging that. And then Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, we have three showcase style shows, 7 p.m., 9 p.m., and 11 p.m. But you can check out all the information at thecornercomedy.com. And that's 163-163 John Street, and that's in the West End, Toronto. I want to thank you too, mostly because you're providing some of the best entertainment in the city on a regular basis for no less than five dollars oh some of our shows are 25 sure no <laughs> depending on i'm just saying depending yeah. I, i'm, I'm, I'm the, just saying oh not everything's five listen sorry. friday saturday sun you know the the main yeah, yeah, show, i'm the not charging only five dollars yeah. for burlesque no. show god well but i'm just saying on average <laughs> you can go see like that whole k trev joke for five dollars yeah wednesdays on are a five. wednesday night Thursdays and Fridays are 10. They're uh, rotating shows. And Saturdays is when all the crazy stuff happens. So it starts at 15 and goes up. But, I mean, come on. Fifth, what, you can't even go see a movie mm. without spending $30, $40. Yeah, that's one of the I things know. I would yell out on the street all the time when we were barking. But uh, it was just cheaper than a movie. And it's live entertainment. You say these certain things, it resonates in people's minds. They're like, yeah, I do like to support live art. You need the five dollar midweek show, so they're, they'll pay the fifteen to twenty dollars when they come in on a Friday and Saturday. What's well, a balance? It's just harder to get people out in the middle of the week anyway. So Jeff wants it like something that's not uh, an expensive get together. Although, fuck, if he keeps packing it like that, I'm gonna have to force it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there's something to be the said. values there. That's, that's right. For sure. It's yeah. the value. Torontonians We're trying to give you a good value. are always like, "Oh, I spent twenty dollars. If I don't get twenty dollars worth of laughs tonight, I'm gonna complain on Yelp." You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a weird thing, and that's why when no. you spend five dollars, you don't have that pressure. I've seen some shows actually too that uh, that I, I don't I just don't put them back on if like the hosts aren't gonna give me value. So All that's right. it's important. I, I, there's so much to learn. That's with why you you're too. there every week, Alex. You oh, know, I'm there because I feel like I'm at home. I, I you'll go through withdrawal if you're not. Yeah, I, I, I need <laughs> comedy. I need comedy like people need a bar. You know what I mean? I, I yeah, like, buddy. I know. I yeah. need it every night. <laughs> well, you can get it every night. I have and I to. I want to thank Joey Baker, Joe Tuchito, for coming really laying down the law when it comes to new comedians coming into the city, putting Toronto on the map and the hard work that it takes. So thank you so much for coming on to Ross Never Sleeps. Never sleepers, sleep tight. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Never Sleeps Network.